Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm sure you knew that, though. That's why you push play on the thing. Uh, this time, though, this is coming to you live from Joe Biden's America. We did it. Uh, we all put in the work. We turned out to vote. And then we voted and uh, we elected ourselves a new damn president. And uh, for at least a little bit now, uh, or at least by a little bit, we're, we're in, a, in a slightly safer safer world than we were a few weeks ago. Uh, that fight is not over, as you know, down in Georgia. The Senate races are going on there, so we need to all our energies need to be put towards there um, when you're not listening to music. But right now, uh, you, we're going to be listening to music and talking about music, and going to be talking about two musicians that are uh, both new to me, not new to Eduardo or Wes, at least one of them, Mary Lattimore. She's a harp player, classical musician, uh, and that's that's classical isn't the right term for it. We're going to talk about uh, why artists like this get put in genres, like when they're really just making music. Uh, and also, we're going to be talking about uh, Johanna Bernhardt, a German violinist. She has a debut album out that's just called Bernhardt. And both of these, like I said, are in sort of the ambient uh, scene. And uh, Bernhardt is more jazz, but it's got a lot of co- in common with Lattimore stuff. And we've been wanting to talk about this for a couple reasons. One, Wes makes ambient music. Uh, and, and two, Eduardo has been like listening to a lot of this stuff more and more, uh, as have I, uh, as the year progresses, as the uh, pandemic uh, sort of alters our, our psyches. Uh, maybe for the worse, maybe for the better. That's something we're going to actually talk about. Um, but it is something that uh, maybe doesn't get the representation that that it should. So that's what we're doing. I'll see you on the other side. Here we go. Brand new episode of The Scowl. Just talking about Mary Lattimore's Silver Ladders and Joanna Bernhardt's debut album, Bernhardt. Okay. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there? He is a lot of the We should... Oh, Asper. ASMR. <laughs> After after seeing that Mr. Bungle live stream, I feel like everything should start with like a hokey stand up now telling dad jokes about fans. <clears throat> have you have you paid attention to the past five hundred episodes? <laughs> <laughs> our, our our material is not as good as what's the guy's name? Neil Hamburger, I think is what he goes. Oh, is by. that uh, okay? Yeah, okay. and one of one of his jokes. I think I told you this one was um, why were the Grateful Dead always so hot up on stage? Mm-hmm. Because none of their fans worked. Um, (laughs) there's what did what did one toilet say to the other toilet we should name our band kiss Uh, (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah yeah that's good stuff (laughs) you sure we don't want to start with that you sure we don't want to start with that um either ways uh, you know jokes are a good way to talk about ambient music yeah Um, might as well Everyone's laughing uh, the whole time, anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, you know, we we've been wanting to, and by we, I mean uh, you, Eduardo, and U.S. have been wanting to talk about uh, ambient music a little more uh, lately. And luckily, 
has a couple albums that came out. Uh, one of them was yours, Wes. We're not talking about that though, because it's really why would, good. Why would we give you coverage? <laughs> no, why? <laughs> like why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Um, I think I'm kind of making all music. I can't tell. Maybe it's just like <laughs> you're ripping me off. Am I? That's what's Shit. happening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about that yet. But yeah. um, but we are going to talk about two albums. One of them falls more into jazz, but. First one we're talking about is Mary Lattimore, and uh, this is somebody that you recommended, Wes, and I ignored, and then Eduardo recommended, and I paid attention to. So that's the way. Listeners, you are hearing the process of what goes on behind the scenes here. It's usually I don't listen to the stuff that Kevin tells me to. He doesn't listen to the stuff I tell him to, and every now and then Eduardo jumps in and just kind of just like settles the score. But but. <laughs> it, it, it got in my ears, so uh, and it's it's some uh, some good chill stuff. So who wants to tell us about Mary Lattimore? Jump in on that. Um, right. Yeah, so she has been one of my favorites um, the last few years. I can't honestly say exactly when it was that I um, started coming across. She had a few albums out, um, maybe maybe a couple albums out um, when I first got into her. Um, She's from Asheville, North Carolina, originally, um, and is a classically trained harp player. Um, you know, who isn't? But, you know, there's um, she managed to do something a little bit different with it. It is um, – I mean, he's one of those awesome – like, I, I happen to love the harp, um, you know, and, and so it is kind of like – that. that is honestly why I, like, checked her out at first. Um, you know, the harp is a – absolutely stunningly beautiful instrument um and yet it's not one i mean i think probably because of the like practicality you don't often like see people like you know carrying their harp around on the subway you know um, and i think joanna newsom has turned everybody <laughs> there was <laughs> there was that <laughs> there's yeah a number of people have been scarred by joanna newsom's career um but um but people like Alice Coltrane have brought back an attention to – or people, I should say, people have rediscovered the work of people like Alice Coltrane who uh, – now, the, the harp, I mean, it's yeah, it's just a gorgeous instrument. Um, can be used for a lot of different purposes, but, you know, it tends to be thought of as just an instrument that you just record on its own and it – you know, you're plucking these really pretty kind of swirly type of melodies on it. Um and Lattimore has kind of figured out a different way. I mean, her stuff is really not classical music, um, though it, it's apparent that she's classically trained. Um, and some of her earlier albums are a little bit closer to, um, you know, the, the neoclassical sound or whatever you want to call it. Um, but she does a lot of experimentation with layers and loops and, um, you know, playing harp through different um, – you know, different effects and, um, a lot of different textures and things like that. And, um, and it's just, it's just absolutely lovely work. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every single one of her albums and she's taken a little bit of a turn on the new one. Yeah. I think she, she worked with the uh, guy from Swerve Driver. No, she no, slow, no. She worked slow, with Neil Halstead from Slow Dive. Slow oh, Dive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next we'll go with the guy from Swerve Driver. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but there she, is another there is another S band in there because she's worked with the guy from Super Chunk too. Oh right, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Mac, I forget his last Mac, Mac, Mac yeah. something or another. Um, yeah, facts, facts don't matter. Right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's yeah, fine. you know, she's done some stuff with Meg Baird. Um, you mm -hmm. know, and then she's done a number of solo albums. Um, but yeah, and I mean, as I understand it, she was at a festival that I think Slow Dive was playing at. Um. And a mutual friend introduced her to Neil Halstead. Um, and, um, you know, th this is this is an interesting thing. I mean, I, as I said, I, I love Mary Lattimore. She's been one of my favorite um, artists of this style for the last few years. Um, 
and I heard that she had this new album and I heard that that it was like it was getting some buzz. People were talking about it. And then I got this message from my brother and he was just like, hey, did you realize that she's working with Neil Halstead on this? And I had not at that point realized this. And, um, you know, Slow Dive is one of my absolute favorite bands. Um, Mojave 3 that um, Halstead shifted into from there is another of my favorite bands. Um, his stuff under his own name, Neil Halstead, is great. He's got... Um, was it Black Heart, Black Brother? Um, that's not quite right, but another um, project that he did. But like he's, you know, he's been a busy guy, and and you know, bringing back Slow Dive um, last couple of years, um, things like this. But bringing the two of their sounds together is a really interesting choice. And I guess that she basically just said, "Hey, you know, do you want to produce this?" And he had never recorded a harp or anything like that before. But um, they got together, and it, it's just it's it's a really stunning. Um, more collaborative feel on this one. Well, let's hear a little bit about how it sounds and uh, come back and talk about it a little. And this is uh, Till Mermaid Drags You Under. this past few weeks here uh, we're, we're taping one of the first times we're taping here in Joe Biden's America uh, we had a big election uh, it was stressful really? four years and and I say that acknowledging we're three white dudes so we don't necessarily like a lot of people had a lot worse than us but it was um, and remains a little uh, sketchy out there for everyone who, who believes in sort of like a better world. But um, one thing we leaned on was music like this. I think all of this. And I think part of it is because we make it, but also it, it just – instead of reaching for, um, say, the, the newest War on Drugs album or, or some comfort thing, we reach for something more abstract. I've been listening to a lot of like Nordic film soundtracks uh, of people like that and uh, uh, the Bernhardt that we're going to talk about later. But there's something about this uh, that it is so uncomplicated or it sounds so uncomplicated. And I think I was trolling you, Wes, in our G chats with this. You um, usually do, yeah. Because I feel like 
this is not dissimilar from something that like I could create or you could create. And your point was just like, well, we didn't shut the fuck up. That's probably the right answer. It's basically that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, it, 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 there's a point in my experience with ambient music, just as a listener, there's a point where you settle into it and then just sort of accept that you are existing alongside of it. And for that, what I found was – I'm not familiar with Lattimore's catalog, and I'm still not. I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and look for it because right now I like this. I think this is this is of of my moment, not of the moment. It doesn't speak to anything that's happening in America or the world. It just is um, a collaboration that resulted in this, and that's something I don't think we get at all in like indie rock or or music that's supposed to be like marketable or whatever. And I, and I think it's something that we should all be paying more attention to, though. Because it's more meaningful, you know. I think that that simplicity is is part of what makes um, you know. There's there's a number of different ways to approach this this genre, um, and it's and I think it's it's a genre that's kind of been been it's not been done any favors by the idea of like deep focus playlists that are mm -hmm. recommended by the algorithm. Um, because that sort of puts it in the context of being like background music or music that's there to allow you to sort of see through it. Um, and while transparency can be a really important, right, that sort of gauzy quality can be a really important aesthetic part of this whole thing. It's not there for you to ignore it. It's, it's actually, you know, I think in the case of Mary Lattimore's compositions, there tends to be a very simple but well-articulated melodic statement that anchors the entire piece and um and and the way her songs work is they sort of slowly get built up around that melodic core and then they kind of wind down gently is a sort of that's not how every song goes but but a lot of them have that feeling of like you know there's sort of a thesis statement layers get added to it and then eventually it, it sort of uh winds down and goes away i find it to be really one of the most like um rewarding um uh sort of musical forms right now just because it it doesn't you know words are not like we all like obviously we need words but the human voice to me is sort of a dicey proposition most of the time words are like slippery things and you think you've you know, nailed a really important idea. And 30 minutes later, you realize that like the words are not up to the task of what you were trying to describe and you end up hating them. And so you end up like John Coltrane yelling into a microphone because nothing means anything. Um, music like this sort of gives you the gift of, 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 of putting a frame around things and creating a very like finely balanced world that, um, that you feel like you're moving through. And I think that's, that's a really difficult thing to do. So it's not about whether there is harmonic complexity, although I think there is plenty of that. Um, it's really, it's really around the idea of like how these pieces come to be. There's, there's an improvisational feel to it. Um, but it really is just a lovely thing to kind of put on and, um, and absorb into your, into you. The the thing about words, it's a it's an excellent point that I've been um, dealing with in writing music. Uh, when you think about, and, and when I'm not talking about just ambient music now, but also just instrumental music in general, 
you think about the heavy lift that words do. Like, because we relate to them. Like, you're being told exactly how to feel about something. Or you're reacting to something, an instrument that you're going, you're just going to get the most reaction from somebody's voice. It's a, it's a, it's a massive lift. And when you start to break down what songs are, they are only like an A part, a B part, repeat A part, B part, like put in like four measures of this. And like, there's a very like, uh, boring structure to a lot of stuff. And when you get to music like this, the proposition it would be you'd seem to be like how do you make it more interesting and my feeling though about like an album like this and a lot of of and honestly like your your music wes as well i think is is what about this is good enough that is keeping my interest in it right now yeah i think that's that's the big question in general with making this music um because I mean, it, it's sort of what you're saying about, you know, the, the, these like, you know, d- deep relaxation playlists, whatever they are, like give a bad name to this stuff because so much of that stuff is, you know, some person holding down a couple notes on their keyboard or taping down those notes on their keyboard for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> like put them through a couple different effects and hold those couple notes and then layer them on top of each other and you've got an ambient recording like it is that simple, but it's also like anything else. There are simple versions and then there's good versions, I guess. Um, and you know, I mean, some of the very simple music is absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, there's absolutely, there's definitely times, um, you know, where I'll find myself, I mean, it could be a single note and I'm just like, damn, that's good. You know? Um, but it is, I mean, this music exists to create atmosphere and atmosphere is, created using sound by playing with emotion um that's what this type of music does it both expresses and plays with emotion and so you can have you know what they call like dark ambient you know where it's more kind of like a industrial organized or influenced um you know and and you're playing with um some more kind of you know dark dense grating tones um that kind of thing you can have it shifts into new age music um you know we've got singing bowls and native american flutes like there's so many different tones that can be used for this stuff um how to make it interesting is is just uh it, it's a really interesting thing to be looking at that question because I don't, I mean, I've been making this stuff since 2006 myself, and I don't know how to answer that question. You know, I'm 16 albums in, and I don't know. I mean, you know, and of course, like, I'm I'm not sitting here saying my stuff is spectacular and and fascinating, you know, but there is something that somehow you can tap into. It's committing to the thought. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's committing to a thought, and it's deciding that a thought is done, which is, as Wes, you know, like, that's something I've been struggling with. Yeah. It's like, how, how is this, how can this three minute and 20, Three uh, three minute twenty second piece of music be done. Yeah, and it's just like it just is, and, and that's if, a whole that's a whole different thing. Like, yeah, if you're an indie rock band, your song, you know, you write your song, and your song is done when you've got a few verses and choruses, and then the recording is done when you've got the drums, the bass, the vocals, maybe your keyboard, whatever in in there, yeah. you know, like, and then the yeah. song is done when you've got those parts recorded and mixed. Um, with this stuff. 
I mean, I remember somebody asked me that at one point, actually, like, like, how do you know when one of your pieces is done? And I'm just like, when I can listen to it over and over again and not feel like I need to change anything. Like, and I don't, I can't explain in the slightest where that comes from. You know, one of the other things I think is really interesting when you're talking about, um, I'm going to have to paraphrase this, but, but it's, it's, uh, John Cage, I believe was the one who said it. Um, and it's basically, he's, he said something along the lines of if you're playing something for five minutes and it's boring, play it for 10. If it's still boring, play it for 20. Um, basically saying like, you're going to hit a point where it's not boring anymore. And obviously that's not going to be the case for much of the audience. That's not going to be the case for you playing it necessarily and whatever, but it's just, it's an entirely different way of, of, of looking at what the creation of sound and the meaning behind sound art music as art is. Yeah. It's different because I think there's, I think what people, what might feel relaxing to people is the idea that this music is not usually like demanding your attention. It doesn't have moments where it says, Hey, I'm at the chorus. Everybody stop what you're doing and sing along. Right. Or here's Um, the drop. You got to dance now. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it does have, you know, I'm thinking about that, um, how like, you know, the trick really is there's a sort of like, um, pop, pop psych, like Zen quality to it of like, you really do want to leave it feeling like almost like no choices were made. This is just a perfect thing that came into existence and then, and then sort of vanished into silence. Um, and I think, you know, some of the other albums in this space that have spoken to me over the last few months are, are like, I'm not like, I'm not deep in this. So they're pretty much the odd, like the big ones that have come out this year. So Juliana Barwick's, um, healing, um, healing is a miracle is, um, I think just an almost perfect album from beginning to end. Um, I was surprised she released extended cuts of some of those songs because to think that they exist in a different format was like a very sort of strange thing. Um, Bing and Ruth have an album called Species, which is much more on the droney sort of side, but but that holds my attention for the duration too. Um, Sam Precop from The Sea and Cake had a very poppy, yeah. I, I would consider ambient album. And then... And then I saw this morning, even Bob Boylan dropped something that yeah. I haven't listened to yet. <laughs> yeah, he just heard about smile. that yesterday. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to hold back on um, that. Well, <laughs> William Basinski, who is in many ways, I mean, well, the, the biggest name in, in this form of music is Brian Eno. Like, he's the guy who yeah. is, yeah. you know, largely right. credited with creating it. That's not necessarily literally true, but like, he kind of gave it the name, you know. Um, but William Basinski, um, who's one of the. I'd say probably next to next to Eno might even be the biggest name in this field, and that's largely just because of the one set of of recordings called the Disintegration Loops, and that their ties to the September 11th um, attacks. And um, if you know if you're not if you're not familiar with those recordings, if you're not familiar with that story, look into it because it's really fascinating stuff. But that kind of catapulted him into a level of a claim and awareness that most ambient artists, you know, don't even don't even dream about. And, 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 and he's got a new. Well, just hang just really quickly. He's got a new album called Lamentations. It's just gorgeous. It just came out this for this past Friday as well. And, and the disintegration loops were something interesting because that was more an, an uh, art real hard thing that yeah. worked. So the idea was it was on a tape, and the more you play it, it changes as the tape degrades because tape was a certain type of tape that degrades. That's actually not necessarily my thing. Uh, I appreciate the conceptualization of it, but uh, you know, I, I. I never have enjoyed listening to that mm-hmm. um because uh for one you don't you don't have the tapes <laughs> that, that is that yeah. is a problem uh with that but 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 i mean i think 
too. Like this, your favorite music. This is what's sitting underneath. Just yeah. the music. Yeah. I, I want to play another song here because uh, I do like this one, and it it I don't even know what it reminds me of, but it it, it definitely feels simultaneously as part of a, a larger whole. Like there's something missing, but at the same time, like you said, Eduardo, you can't imagine it being anything else. This is Chop on the Climb Out. thinking that you're not going to be getting anywhere or if this was another style of music you're waiting for something bigger you know and this has to go and 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 the additive process that happens in that song is so subtle but by about like two and a half three minutes you're kind of along for the ride and then it just goes and then it and then it ends and it and it it, it uh and then you, you've taken that journey, and then like, what do you, what do you make of that? There's, uh, Tangerine Dream is a band that a lot of people probably know, right? but it's 2020. Maybe people don't know them. There's a fantastic movie called Miracle Mile, starring Anthony Edwards, uh, about back in the 90s, I believe it was, maybe the late 80s. Uh, fear of nuclear war is a big thing, and they were like, what if? It happened, and he gets a call in Los Angeles on the Miracle Mile, and uh, he it's a guy in a missile silo. He said, the missiles have launched. The missiles have launched. And then from there, the movie's in real time, and you don't know until the end if this is real. But you see society falling apart as if it is, and and them falling apart because they have to somehow run away from World War Three. The soundtrack for that is a lot like this and it's even though it is definitely placed in the eighties, it's absolutely gorgeous, but it does have layers on it that like keep it from being an absolutely timeless piece. So like, I like it kind of because I love the movie, but also it is a little schlocky. (laughs) Um, But, but if you remove that, I think you, you get into what artists are doing now with that. So you had the big synth explosion back then, and people were like, well, we'll just integrate this into everything. And it's like, well, what if 
these sounds that we can make, uh, we not only like do them on synths, but then we figure out how to make these moments on acoustic instruments and back and forth. And, and, it, and it's just so cross germinated that it's indistinguishable now. And you end up with just these, like that's a six minute song, six, six minutes uh, that you can choose to spend your life uh, experiencing. You know, there's, there's like, um, when you get into that sort of like post human sounding, um, technological music right that's sort of like um and that and that tangerine dream record has it has like it's it's cool and stylized but it's a little cold too and i think it's sort of like a lot of times what you end up picturing is that typical like scanning shot from a sci-fi movie of just rows and rows of like empty computer equipment like where there should be humans but there aren't and that's sort of unsettling and spooky what what I think um, Lattimore does more is give you the feeling of like being inside a person's head or something or being almost like, you know, it doesn't have that. It's not cold, I guess, in the same way. It really does resemble the sort of like the rhythms of like breathing and thought, but just slow down and magnified in a way that that is so I just I just find it so powerful. Yeah, I think what you're just saying there really taps into um one of the ways of looking at the stuff that's more successful within this field, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways of looking at that as, you know, as I was saying earlier, like, you know, what works for a dark ambient album is going to be different from a new age album, different from all these other things. But, but what you're just saying about that, you know, bringing that human quality, bringing that warmth into it. I mean, for me, that's one of the things that comes from using real instruments, not just using synth sounds, not just using keyboards, stuff like that. You know, that brings a lot more of that sense. Um, I think there's also something to be said. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, like she's a classically trained harp player. Like she's bringing a lot more kind of, you know, knowledge and, and musical depth to it. Um, and that's not necessary to make good music in this field, but it does help it make a little, make it feel a little bit more human. Um, and I think that warmth, I mean, it's almost like you're kind of like floating in the womb yeah. as opposed to this like empty computers, you know? Well, yeah. and I wonder though, if, if the acoustic instruments are actually necessary uh, for what you're, you're positing here, because I feel like, where that skill level comes in, that training comes in is being able to humanize those mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they're just amplification of the person. Sure. And so I know people prefer like say guitars, like you got to have the right cabinet, you got to have the right mic and stuff. Like personally, I, I found that I prefer plugging directly in. Mm-hmm. And dialing that in and, and then working from that and figuring out how to make that sound like it exists in a real space. Yeah, and, and finding new ways to express on these instruments. I mean, Neil Halstead has done some incredible forward movement in guitar sound through his career. You know, I remember seeing a um, a chart of his guitar rig from the 1993 Slow Dive Tour, um, and he just had, like, delay pedal plugged into delay pedal plugged into delay pedal, um, you know, and it's like there were a lot of artists kind of 
pushing guitar in certain ways at that point, you know, probably my, um, my bloody Valentine being the most like, you know, Loveless being probably, you know, the, the most kind of famous of just kind of like, whoa, holy shit. Like here's a new thing on guitar in a very different type of way. But I think slow dives work definitely did that. And you can really hear he's bringing a lot to this. Um, you know, Eduardo, you said earlier about how kind of, um, a lot of her pieces are kind of formed around a particular melodic element and then, you know, a, a theme or whatever. And it's interesting because in a way that's what ties this music with jazz in, in a sense, because jazz is also often operating under, we're going to put out this theme at the beginning here and then kind of variations on that theme or playing around with that theme or tossing that theme and going somewhere else, you know, as you go forward, like that can be, a way of working at this um and and these pieces on this album um i know about half of them i think a little under half she had demos of um that she brought to halstead and then a lot of them are improvised you know so it is kind of taking a, a kind of jazz-ish approach um with improvised music as well yeah i think um if so anyone who's listening who's intrigued if you're sort of not sure if this is for you or not definitely Go, go on the YouTubes and um, find a clip, find a performance of hers. There's a couple of, there's one sort of from, from lockdown. There's a couple of recent ones from the last year or two and, and, and see her do this in real time, because I think that really humanizes the effort and really drives home that this is, that there is like a concept at work here. There's a vision, there's an aesthetic. It's not just sort of like, um, Oh, who's that guy? Who's like he's like a jam band guy who Keller Williams. Keller, it's not yeah, just yeah. it's not just some guy sitting on a chair like mm-hmm. making loop upon loop yeah. until something harmonically pretty comes out of it. Yeah. There goes our Keller demo. <laughs> <laughs> do, do we do we have a Keller uh I, I don't know. But uh yeah, th- it's good that you brought up that point about the, the relationship between this and jazz because I think what we're gonna talk about now is uh album by Johanna Bernhardt. Uh, called Bernhardt. Um, so for this one, uh, uh, I think this is this is this is a must get for this year. And, and I don't know if it leads to other places in your in your ambient enjoyment, but uh, it is it is a masterpiece.
right, there's a little bit of the song Plastic into the song Mench that kicks off this album. Uh, Joanna Bernhardt's, Johanna Bernhardt's uh, new album under her new band, Bernhardt. She's played with a bunch of bands uh, over the years. Uh, she's been active. Rosie Turton is one of them. Uh, she's a German violinist, singer, and composer, and has been uh, playing music since she was a kid. Uh, and like many people growing up in the 21st century, uh, her interests aren't monolithic. I think this is something that's different that's coming, that's happening because of the internet, because of Spotify, because of whatever you want to do it. But uh, they are not monolithic. So, you know, she's playing classical music. She's not just into classical music. Uh, specifically, she is drawn to the techno scene in Germany and uh, trying to fuse that with jazz that she loves. And uh, right off the bat, I will say this uh, as a violin or a person who used to play violin for many, many years. Um, you don't hear of violin players too often in a jazz context. And in fact, in fact, if anybody is going to like name a name, they're going to name Stefan Grappelli. Yeah. I was just going to say that, yeah. uh, which, which is like gypsy jazz. Right. Um, and, and I know. Who is, uh, um, who, there's a, there's a Regina, Regina Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Michael is, White is the only, but, really but again, nice, that's the exception yeah. that sort of, there are a few other people, but yeah, yeah. it's not. Yeah, and 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 so it, it's just not a. Uh, it doesn't get the props it deserves because it is an actually it's an incredibly difficult instrument to play and sound make it sound good. So hard to do that uh, that like Wes, you asked me to put a part on something and I could not. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing like well, and, last time I asked you for anything. Yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't played. <laughs> now to be fair, I hadn't played for like. 20 years or so, but like I just could not because it yeah. sounded like complete ass. So first of all, props to to Miss Bernhardt because uh, having something like this in my life is always a, a welcome uh, change to that. You know, this is also an album that came to me, just a random thing. You're scanning emails uh, and, and it's like, hey, I'll check this out. And the PR guy is from England and did and put it on and walked along Lake Michigan and like, wow. This is like really keeping me in this moment. It's flooring me. And part of what is flooring me is how a lot of it is very recognizable as not necessarily like techno or anything, but it has a lot in common with a lot of modern indie music that people are like, uh, you often speak of, of these albums as like, it's ambitious or it's experimental, except this is real. <laughs> this is like people who can actually do it. And and I and I want to talk to you guys first off, like to see what you think about like classifying this as jazz because I don't really see this as a jazz album. Like, there's too much uh, popular stuff that we've heard over the past twenty years that's in here for me to just straight out call it jazz, even though all the players on this are like above and beyond uh, as skill level. I mean, that's a tough one. There's a lot of problems with the word jazz. Um, there's racist issues. I mean, it's there's the fact that like a very, very solid percentage of the people that we would call jazz musicians didn't call what they did jazz. Um, you know, some of them because they called it ragtime to the end of their careers. Um, you know, John Coltrane called himself a classical musician. Um, you know, it, it's it's a word that is both problematic as i said um you know with kind of over sexualized 
viewpoints of black people, you know, that, that where the word comes from, um, you know, and so I, I tend to, you know, I mean, I tend to use jazz when I'm talking to people because that's what it like helps you communicate, but, um, you know, creative music is probably a better, um, you know, term in general. But one of the things that I do think is that one of the reasons that this type of music, and we'll go ahead and just continue with jazz, um, is so good right now and so important right now is because what it has always done, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, but is take all these different styles and combine them into something that had never happened before. And I feel like she's done that on just this album. I mean, you're getting a lot of these things blended together that depending on kind of where it's coming from are coming up with a whole bunch of different influences that are so new and exciting. Um, but this one feels very different from anything else that I've heard recently. And, and whether that's just her inspiration, whether that's her training or what, I don't know, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful and stunning and, you know, experimental and, you know, forward thinking album, as you're sort of saying, but it is within that category also. It, it reminded me of, of Makai McCraven's album. Sure. Uh, a lot of that. And, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, you say whether or not this is happening in this music space. I think really in 2019, 2020 is where this has been happening. Uh, has been centered around the London jazz scene. Uh, you know, we, for different purposes, uh, yeah, like Alabaster de Plume is like getting all the deserved props mm -hmm. right now. You can't, I mean, and this, you, you will count this as a win, Wes, uh, and anybody who knows Daria and I. Uh, so, she came down the other day and said, yeah, I put on that Al Alabaster de Plume album while I was doing yoga the other day. That's amazing. And uh, this is her her <laughs> take on jazz is beep, boop, yeah. beep, boop, 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 <laughs> boop. So, you know, there's something in what – and she's not part of this London scene, but the, this, these younger group of musicians are, have glommed onto some wavelength that they're all like dialed into. And it's wild it does, to see. Yeah, it does feel new. I mean, I think that's I'm, yeah. I've only been able to give this album a couple of uh, maybe like two listens all the way through. But but and the first time, like, I think the first time you hear this album, you're sort of just making like a face. Yeah. For the <laughs> you're sort of like, <laughs> yeah, your face is locked in like a sort of disbelief of like, what am I here? This is. Yeah. yeah. This isn't this was clearly made by humans today, but it it doesn't have any like it's hard to to hear reference points it's hard to like anchor it in 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 something else um i think that's that's probably what 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 i would say to like if i were trying to solve that challenge of like how do you recommend this to someone i would just you know i i think you could use jazz as a reference point but you would but it's not not particularly in the like instrumentation or um or I should say in the arrangements or even, uh, you know, the way the music sounds, it's just, it's, it's just something, it's just something else. And it's rare that you feel like people get to do that anymore. Where like people could go in with instruments that are available to any number of people and yeah. come out of it with something that sounds like nothing any group of people have ever done. Well, talking about the, this compared to like the Lattimore album, you know, what we were talking about is of, of sort of the purpose of ambient music. And like, that's why I was asking if you would classify it as jazz. And like, and I don't. And, and I think this is an interesting pairing for show because we have these two pieces that are, at least as presented to the world, supposed to be different things, but they're both achieving the same thing. 
Um, the the instrumentation is a little more raucous, a little rougher. There's a little more defined uh, structure, uh, or or rather, you don't have to search for the structure so much on this one. But but the point I think is the same as to these get you into these small spaces and that you are just sort of stuck there in the very best way until until one of these tracks is over. You can't you can't pull out. You can't look away. But it's not like it doesn't have that quality of being so I'm thinking of like an Esperanza Spalding where it's like right. so cerebral that it feels mm-hmm. claustrophobic mm-hmm. and you sort of and that's um, a heavy criticism of jazz, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, when jazz is so cerebral that you feel claustrophobic, there's only a certain amount of people that are going to love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and even some of that stuff that is really good. I mean, I think about my, like Mary Halverson. Um, you know, she is, I mean, for my money, one of the best guitar players living. Um, one of the most creative and, you know, boundary pushing guitar players alive. And partially because of that, I don't put her on all that often because it's just so damn brilliant um, that it's just kind of like I feel like my mind is being blown like every second of every one of her albums. And it's like sometimes you just want to listen, you know, Um, and yet this one kind of manages somehow to do both of those things like. You know, like Eduardo was saying earlier, like your first listen, you're just kind of you've got this look on your face the entire time of just kind of like, what is this? I've never heard anything quite like this before. Is this going to work? Is this like, you know, and it and it's so successful. Um, yeah. And well, there's those flashes. You're like, is this klezmer now, or yeah, is right. this yeah. something it, like? It what feels is like it feels like yeah. folk at times. It feels yeah. like it's like it just doesn't. I, I want to play a track, and I'm actually gonna. So the single with Silence is Gold. When we make it to that. I'm actually just gonna pick a track at random. Um, because no, and this is why, because I haven't been spending time with tracks. Mm. I I listened to this album Mm -hmm. straight through, so I'm not sure what's going to happen right now, but we'll react to it on this side. The name of this track is Never Let Me Go. First track we played, you had 
a sign that this was going to be a more acoustic affair. Uh, like you said, klezmer, folk, you know, German folk music, jazz stuff. In that, you have uh, signs of like King Bush. You've got signs of Radiohead. You've got uh, certainly the techno she grew up with. None of the instrumentation, even though it's all there, that, that was implied on that first track. And I think that's actually the triumph of the album. It doesn't let you decide on what this album is going to be. It takes you and like just sort of throws you back and forth between all these things. The, the, this like the centering point on this, I don't think is actually her violin. It's her voice. That's what you have to latch onto. Yeah. And that does not like, and yet this is not a vocal jazz album in any way. Um, You know, it's, I mean that, that, you know, that particular track is a little more, um, there's a lot of trip hop in that. There's a lot of grime in that. I mean, I just sort of said off off mic, it's better than the new tricky album. Um, You know, but it's, it's definitely, you feel like she's, you know, you feel like she has digested and understood so many different types of music and is bringing it in and creating something new. And like, is that not what a good artist should be doing if you're working in this field? Like, Sure, there's something to be said if you're, I don't know, I was going to say there's something to be said if you're an indie rock band, but maybe there's nothing to be said if you're an indie rock band. Um, but like, you know, if you're still our indie of, rock demo, yeah, so much, we're just ruining everything that's going to be coming up. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, you know, if, if you if you play in a blues band, you know, you are kind of within this pretty finite form um, that, that more or less you're sticking within. Um, when you are working in the field of creative music, that's broad enough to be able to have all these different things. And like, I mean, I, I think about some, like I had a, a very short period where I was running, um, uh, teaching a, a studio recording class um, for high school students. I remember talking to this one kid at one point, he was super talented. Um, he made beat oriented music. He was particularly an EDM fan. And I remember talking to him about this one particular track and he was really good. And I remember talking to him about this particular track as being like right here, you need a change. He's kind of like, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that, and I like mentioned a couple of things. He's like, well, but but then that wouldn't be EDM. And I was like, well, but would it be good? And he was like, it, well, well, yeah, like sure. I mean, that sounds cool, but it wouldn't be EDM. It's just and at that point, I mean, he wasn't ready to make that step, you know. But it's like this sounds like somebody who is just willing to like, oh, if that's going to be good, let's put it on. Let's well, give it a try. The, I mean, the flip side of that though, Wes, is that, is that like you, he was trying to perfect EDM. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's two different pursuits, and like yes, it all exactly. plays plays yeah. back into like what ambient music yeah. is, yeah. what the purpose of this type of music is. This has vocals, but they're not. I mean, it's not a lyrically dense album. No. <laughs> well, there's there's also you know one 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 thing that really jumps out at me with this album is that what's different about it. It's not like that novelty itself isn't repetitive, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you hear someone yeah. and you're like, oh, they've got a new idea, but their 12-track album is that same new idea 12 different ways. That's... Or 12 different tracks that don't like <laughs> hold together at all. Yeah, no, yeah, right, right. There's right. no need to talk about my demos. <laughs> <laughs> but but this does feel like a... Um, there's that there's that feeling of like incredulity a little bit where you're just like, are they going to keep pulling this off? Like, right. is this going to come back? Like, is the yeah. next track going to be normal? Yeah. Or more recognizable? And yeah. and it keeps it sort of stays in like a, an unfamiliar place. And I think that's a really it's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we can't go see this live. Although I don't know. Wait, can they in England? 
No, they cannot. <laughs> it's just, just scan back to the timeline. Nope, <laughs> they cannot hang on. Um, you know, I, I something like this is, is fascinating to me because of, you mentioned Makai McRaven. Um, this is not going to sound like this live, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be any less powerful or anything lost of whatever like the statement is supposed to be for any given song. Um, th- they're also, like you said, we're talking about your the kid, Wes, about wanting to be like true to EDM or mm-hmm. knowing when to put something in there or something. Mm-hmm. They aren't this is a this is a record. Right. Yeah. Like I have no expectation that this could be reproduced. And I honestly wouldn't want it. I would I, love I, to I, hear I what the, they would do. Well, yeah, I want that to be a different version of it. Right, right. I want to go to the tour, you know, for this album. Absolutely. Like this this would be something but but I say that saying that like I would want to see them a couple nights in a row, you know, because my guess is like, you know, they're touring this album like I mean, I actually did this with Slow Dive a few years ago when Slow Dive was touring the States. I flew to New York to see them, and then I took a bus to Boston to see them again. You know, I would do that with this album because I feel like it would be a different show that second night, you know? And I think about that, like, there are... I was thinking actually a little bit, um, one of the other um, albums that I was thinking about, um, you know, bringing in for this conversation was um, Rob Mazurek's Exploding Star Orchestra, um, which is coming out, I think, next week or at least in the next couple weeks on International Anthem. I think it's then. Friday. Yeah, I think it's this Friday. Um, and he's um, he's another artist that I just absolutely love and another one who's doing super, super creative combinations of sounds. Um, and a lot of his stuff actually is done live. And it's just one of those like how what like wh- you know and, and i would love to see him perform because of that and it's like <laughs> double billing with these two would be just a fascinating fascinating show because b- both of them are do are so outside of jazz both of them are kind of called jazz it's i'm yeah. you know I, i'm with you on seeing the show but it's interesting because like i that album i actually don't like um the missouri the Missouri, yeah, it, it just doesn't hit with me and, and i haven't figured out why i keep going back to and, and probably because you don't like but, good music well, I mean, I mean, I did bring you Bernhardt, so <laughs> okay, you liked this so, one, but other than that, so, uh, you know, probably uh, because I mentioned it to you. <laughs> um, no, it, it just, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think live that could be a different thing, but I, uh, Missouri, I think is a different kind of chaos. Is is kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, that's fair. Of, of how, and it's not even imp- improvisation; it's chaos. It's just like this is going to happen. How it's going to happen. And not in like a jam band way. This is like <laughs> this. So much actually depends on the audience because this is not going to be performed in like twenty thousand seat arenas. This is going to be performed in like two hundred fifty seat clubs, uh, where people For are showing a room up to with a like, bunch of people sitting on the floor. Yeah, yeah, where people show up to see like the real shit happen, and yeah. and that's when the real shit happens. Well, some of this discussion now has left me wondering if part of what's drawing me to this more sort of like formless uh formless musical idioms is the idea that um i'm not going to be seeing bands anytime soon so hearing a record and hearing a band charging through an opener and then doing a slow number and then picking it back up for the third try like that just sounds so like not rooted in reality i guess because the idea of live performance is sort of so so remote. So I'm wondering if part of the appeal here for me, at least that I hadn't, that I hadn't connected until just now is the idea that like, this is music that, that is really not, 
although it can be played live, what you're hearing is not that. What you're hearing is is a a rendition of that. Um, and in fact, the people making it and making it in real time in front of an audience is almost like an afterthought to the creation of this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's worth exploring. I think you. The way we react to music and the way we consider music more often than not has nothing to do with the music, um, at least popular music. Um, and uh, so if you think about like people are like, like I, 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 can't, I can't wait to see a live show again. Well, that music is still there. Yeah. And objectively – most bands are not as good live as they are on record. With the notable exception of the Mr. Bungle live stream from a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. That was literally better than any recording ever. But but you know why? Because they are a band that like is meant to be that's them. So you can't yeah. capture that. But people go out and make records and uh and and they often aren't yet the best version of themselves. And that can be easily covered up on a record. So what we look for, what we miss, and this is just like stuff that I've been thinking about lately, is uh, first of all that human connection. It, there is a lot to be said for being in a room, being in a room full of people, uh, experiencing a show. Um, although I, I won't name names, but uh, Ed, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can't be in a room full of people and it's just boring as fuck. Um, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, but without that, people who have been more passive consumers are forced to like reckon with the fact like why do they like what they like? Why do we like what they like? I mean, this look this year has changed our listening habit. If you had told me that we were going to be talking about an ambient album and a jazz ambient album instead of the fucking War on Drugs live album. Uh, at this point in 2020, I would have been like, you're full of shit. You're crazy. But, you know, this is this is where we are. And um, it, it just uh, it's important that people take the time when it's given to them like this to understand that if if they want to see uh, for, put aside the, the venue situation, if they want to see music continue and be interesting like they have to invest in it. You listening have to invest in it. And that means whether it's your time or your money, you have to be willing to get outside of your thing and understand or try and understand what this music is about, what it's for. You know, when it's great if if you the only thing that has gotten you through is an Elliot Smith album. I've never listened to Elliot Smith. That's, that's, that may be a shocker. So, and, and at this point, I just don't. Um, but but you, we all have our own anchors and stuff. But like, if that's as far as you want to go, that's fine. But then just say, I like Elliot Smith. I like Elliot Smith. Just so we're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know you do, Wes. <laughs> well, uh, then, I, I would say because because one of the other things, I mean. What you're saying about the changing list, changed listening habits this year is is so true, um, and that is, I think, a really interesting thing. And when you're thinking about why 
I mean, this this is one of the things that I've just been thinking about a ton this year, and you know, has kind of formed a lot of our conversations. Is is why are we needing the type of music that we need? So it's not even like what is the music that we're needing right now or anything like that, but just what is it doing for us? Why are we connecting with it and stuff like that? I think with the Mary Lattimore album, um, when you were describing Kevin the plot of the Miracle Mile uh, movie with the Tangerine Dream soundtrack like I almost jumped in and you know when you're talking about this kind of like you know this like figuring out are we are are we are are we not about all to you know all all about to be blown up basically and I'm just kind of like boy I wonder why that would appeal in 2020 you know because here we are with this just like absolutely unprecedented experience for all of us where we don't Uh, know what 8,000 8,000 cases right of yeah well yeah it's, yeah and and but I would say that that one of the really important things for me is I, I turn to music for a lot of different reasons and that's one of the reasons I listen to a lot of different music and so these two albums I think are a really interesting pairing and the Mary Lattimore I think is pretty easy to see why people might want that in 2020 um it's soothing it's beautiful it's contemplative um you can kind of get lost in it it's got these swirls it's got these clouds i mean it, it's, and it's already it, it's, got familiarity and it's familiarity yeah yeah exactly like people it, know the name yeah right right yeah yep and and there's something that's it, it's got a, it's got a certain sort of, i mean there's nothing unusual about the melodic elements in it like you know it's it's something that, that is i think accessible comparatively speaking you know yeah it's it's definitely not confrontational yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's well said um and this one for me there's moments of it that it hits for some of those same reasons but i think one of the reasons that that i've loved the bernhardt album so much is that so much of this experience since march is beyond language for me and and you know i mean this is one of the reasons that, that i make music that doesn't have words in it you know like i can write i mean I, you know i make music with words also but i can't right now imagine really i was thinking about this the other day i can't really imagine writing another song with words right now like let's, i just don't uh, know when that'll happen again let's pause and consider like springsteen or dylan writing a song about covid the pandemic you can't dylan's yeah. got a new like 45 minute song about it <laughs> I'm sure he does. Um, it's been playing but, the whole time we've been listening. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The entire, yeah. Uh, but I think this album is saying things that I've never quite heard before, and it's expressing things that I have been feeling this year that I wouldn't know how to put into words. And that's a lot of it. I mean, a lot of the emotions that I have been experiencing this year are not things that are familiar or that I could put into words or that I could tell you what I'm feeling, you know? Um, yes, there's elements of, you know, fear or sadness or anger or whatever of those things, but it, it's somehow beyond those and into something else. And I feel like she's kind of tapping into something that is new and different and partially exciting, a little bit scary at times, a little bit confrontational at times, you know, and stuff like that. But I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe it's just because she's German and they have like more complex words for more complex emotions <laughs> than we have in English. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, look, listeners are going to hear us talking about partner later on this week. And uh, it's, it is the same thing. It's like, you don't have words for it. And then somebody that comes along and finds the perfect words, the perfect words in, in that case are just – it's just joy. It's not words at all. It's just like everything like made in a joy. I think this is a different kind of joy. This is this is the type of stuff that I've been 
really, and this is not, I do not recommend this behavior, but there can be some enjoyment taken from staying up till like three in the morning, listening to vinyl records uh, on, on headphones while you drink whiskey. If you're 48 <laughs> I, I'm, and then you, your Sunday is going to, you know, the quality of that is going to vary, but, 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 you know, it speaks to us in not just, we can't figure out what to say, but it speaks to us in, in that we need, we need something to take up the space. Yeah. I, I, I think there's also something to be said for allowing yourself to feel things and even think thoughts that can't be put into words. You know, you tend to like thinking without words is a difficult, it's a discipline, I think probably. Um, but, and, you know, turning your feelings into words is also a discipline, but allowing your feelings to just stay unarticulated and and kind of be comfortable with them living in that space. I mean, that's the basis for appreciating nonverbal art, right? That's the basis for loving a painting or a sculpture or a place, right? It's that there is something beyond it uh, that that you can't you can't capture. So I think I think that's exactly what this kind of music is calling us to do and to feel is to like feel things before they become words. And and think about like what thinking back to like even like the uh the Sylvanesso album free love yeah. how that affected us yeah like it's I, I don't think we're the only ones that are like have reached this place where we need more we need meaning and stuff it can't just be about entertainment or like time wasting <laughs> you know it had there's so much time spent alone, even with your witch, with a person, if you're lucky enough to be with a person right now, um, that it all bleeds into like this whole like just existence, which we're we're completely capable of enduring. But I don't think we were made to live like this at all. I mean, I know we weren't. And so when something comes along that can actually takes a look at that opening that lifts up the little dragon scale and slides up underneath it and gets in and, and worms its way into your heart, like a, a space lamprey or something, for example. Um, you, it just, it, it's what we need. It's what everybody needs. These two albums is what these have provided. Um, these, you guys can't have the experience of, of taking this for a walk on Lake Michigan yet. Uh, but that doesn't matter because my how this affected me did, is not the way it affected you, Eduardo, or you, Wes. Mm -hmm. But we all were like s similarly affected by it, mm -hmm. uh, given what we needed from it. Yeah. And like, and that's the point, right? We took a little detour, and, and I think this is high praise for both of these albums. Is what they what they've forced us to consider. Uh, or at least just like let us know that these two artists are considering the same things. And and on the other side of all this, you know, there's a night that you're gonna wanna that we're all gonna get to go out and see a band like Partner, and there's gonna be a night when you're gonna go out and you're gonna see some weirdo with a harp <laughs> do something you didn't think harps were supposed to do, and that's gonna be amazing too. And I just cannot, I can't wait to be on on that side of all this, you know, recognizing and making use of this time. Even still, like knowing that all that is on the other side of it, 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 it 
it makes makes this space really difficult to to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we're gonna take a break. Uh, both of you take care of yourselves. Everybody, listen. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll come back and the show. Thanks to Eduardo and Wes for hanging out yet again. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the discussion around those two albums. Hope you guys enjoyed the music more. Uh, those are, I know the Bernhardt is ending up on our year end best of list. A little spoiler for you right there. But uh, there's some remarkable music being made in that space. And uh, all you have to do is sort of give it time and give it your attention. And the uh, rewards will be, will be mighty. So that is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, get out there and support your local arts. Find a venue, a restaurant, an artist, a band, somebody in your community that you can help out either uh, with like helping to sell stuff, actually just giving them money, whatever it is. Uh, we are going into a very serious stage of this pandemic here where things are going to shut down again, unfortunately, and people are going to need your help more than ever. So I hope uh, if you're the type of person who would listen to this, you are also the type of person who would do that. Coming up in the next few weeks, we are inching ever closer to episode 500. I think we uh, figured out what we're going to do and have a little special episode for you there. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to be talking about my favorite album of the year next week or next this Friday. Uh, And it comes out this Friday. That would be 1120. Uh, And no spoilers, but it is Canadian. So... So make of that what you will. Everything is better in Canada, kids. Uh, And then we're going to be diving into some classics. I want to talk about the final cut of Pink Floyd. We've never talked about that. We should talk about that. And uh, and beware, strap in. Uh, We are going to do an entire episode dedicated to the Eagles. Uh, because it's my show and I like the Eagles. So, so that's what we're going to be doing. I uh, hope you guys are staying safe and sane out there and most of all sanitized. And the most of all, you're, you're taking care of your neighbors and showing them how much you care for them by wearing a mask. Uh, that is the, the smartest and most effective thing we can do right now to help out each other. So please, please, if you have to leave your house, put on a mask. Uh, it, it's, it's macho as shit. How about that? It's just macho as shit. Okay? Okay. We'll talk to you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. No, 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 no,